The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Monday, June 5th in Hong Kong, Sunday, June 4th in New York. And coming up today, Saudi Arabia will make an extra million barrel a day oil production cut starting in July. Asian stocks may get a boost after the mostly positive jobs data in the U.S. And China is said to be mulling a new property support package to boost its economy. China's defense minister strikes a defiant tone in Singapore. India reveals what led to the deadly train crash. While the Hollywood strike is one step closer to ending. And in sports, as PSG identified who will be their next manager. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have news in sports coming up. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Brian and uh, Sunny are going to be making an extra one million barrels a day oil supply cut in July. Let's find out more. Bonnie Al has the details. The new supply cut takes production to the lowest level in years and a slide in oil prices. Other producers offered no additional action to support prices, but most did extend their existing cuts into 2024. That said, Russia made no move to cut and the United Arab Emirates actually won a higher quota for 2024. The kingdom is doubling down on production cuts after the previous rounds of curbs failed to deliver a rally. OPEC Plus announced a surprise cut back in April, but weak data from China and recession fears outweighed the move. Saudi Arabia is now pledging to do whatever it takes to stabilize the oil market. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The U.S. labor market sent some conflicting signals in May as payroll surged along with joblessness. The jobs data may also give Fed officials some reasons to pause uh, interest rate hikes at this meeting uh, this month. The former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers is advocating for a half-point rate hike in July if the Fed opts to hold off from tightening credit this month. Here's Summers speaking earlier on Bloomberg. I think we are again in a situation where the risks of overheating the economy are the primary risks that the Fed needs uh, to be mindful of. So he's calling it a lower risk strategy for the Fed to actually hike rates again this month. Friday's jobs report was one of the last major releases that Fed policymakers will see before they meet June 13th. That morning, they'll also get the consumer price index for May. Well, indeed, let's get a bit more on uh, what's been uh, happening elsewhere in terms of uh, Bloomberg and uh, 
Having a look at Bloomberg Invest, the conference in New York kicking off this week, focusing on the investment landscape and global economic outlook. Here's a preview from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It runs Tuesday through Thursday. Speakers will include Ray Dalio of Bridgewater and Sherry Paul of Morgan Stanley Private Wealth Management. Items up for discussion will include opportunities and risks across asset classes and the outlook from top hedge fund managers and pension chief investment officers. Bloomberg Radio will broadcast live from the event. Listen in starting at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. In New York, Charlie Pellet. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, Apple will kick off its annual Worldwide Developers Conference on Monday. Bloomberg's Ann Cates has that story. The event will include Apple's most significant device launch in nearly a decade and its first major new product category since the Apple Watch. Apple will introduce its mixed reality headset with a projected price tag of $3,000, along with a new operating system for it. Also likely to debut will be new Mac laptops and desktops and software updates for the watch, iPad and other devices. Apple will also highlight improvements to its fitness, health and finance apps. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, Chinese property developers may see more gains in their stock prices today. Why? Well, let's put that to Bloomberg's Joanna Wong, who has more. Property stocks already jumped 6% Friday after Bloomberg reported the government was considering a basket of measures of support. The gain was the most since December. The new measures may include lower down payments for some buyers in major cities. Sources said other measures being considered include lowering Asian commissions and further relaxing restrictions for residential purchases. The government may also refine some policies laid out in the 16-point rescue package rolled out last year. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Day Brigadier. We'll be spending a lot of time looking at markets today, uh, given that rush of news from Friday. And so we'll be seeing um, some gains likely in Asian equity prices. But we already had a huge jump on Friday in the Hang Seng Index, up more than 4%, 733 points. And part of that was attributed to a slightly better tone to U.S.-China uh, relations. So we'll, we'll get a little bit more of an update on that. And again, we'll see if dollar strength holds in. That might not be such good news for risk assets here in Asia. We'll be looking at markets coming up shortly, and we will also be chatting with our guest, Sylvia Jablonski, joins us, co-founder and CEO and CIO at Defiance ETFs. But now it's time for world news. Let's get right to Dan Schwartzman in the Bloomberg Newsroom looking at all the top stories. Yeah, Brian, President Biden officially signing the debt ceiling legislation without a ceremony in the Oval Office, that averting a potential debt default, which could have plunged the country into recession. The deal limits federal spending for two, two years and suspends the debt ceiling till after the 2024 election. The bipartisan plan was hammered out in negotiations last weekend between the president and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Democratic Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill of New Jersey says that a bipartisan approach is what people want. We've come out of some of the most partisan times in our nation's history. And the majority of the country, I think, senses that that is not how to get things accomplished. That's not how Congress should work. Congresswoman Cheryl was speaking to ABC. China's Defense Minister Li Shangfu struck a defiant tone while speaking at the Shangri-La Dialogue in Singapore, blaming Washington of stroking confrontation through its support of Taiwan while building military alliances in the region. Li's speech comes on the heels of a dangerous situation in the Taiwan Straits when a Chinese warship came within a reported 150 yards of colliding with a U.S. destroyer. Li also mentioned once again that Taiwan is part of China and that the country's military would not tolerate any incidents that would lead 
lead to a divided country. Lee, though, did strike a softer tone at the end of his speech, saying that, quote, the world is big enough for countries, including China and the U.S., to grow together. In an interview this weekend from Singapore with Bloomberg Television, Australia's Defense Minister Richard Marles says it's possible to be an ally with the U.S. while also having productive relationships with China. Marles, though, did express concern with China's military buildup in the region, especially without any reassurances as to the purpose of it. Australia finds itself in a situation many nations do, which is to have a military alliance with the U.S. while maintaining ties with China's economic engine. India says a faulty electronic signaling system was the reason behind the country's deadliest rail attack uh, accident excuse me, in almost three decades. The number of dead stands at 288 with crews clearing the mangled wreck off the tracks. An express passenger train collided with a stationary freight train, with both then being hit by another express passenger train, which was traveling from the opposite direction. India's outdated rail system is one of the largest in the world. It carries hundreds of millions of people each month. Thai Airways is preparing to begin talks with aircraft manufacturers to purchase 30 new wide-body jets as tourists return to Thailand and the carrier looks to rebound from the pandemic. The airline CEO says it will formally send out a so-called request for proposal to both Boeing and rival Airbus for aircraft it expects to receive starting in 2026. Global News 24 hours a day powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat, and our guest is Sylvia Jablonski, co-founder, CEO, and CIO at Defiance ETFs. So we had a big change in markets on Friday, Sylvia. Materials, industrials, energy, all very well bid. And that's something we haven't really seen this year. It's been all about tech. So I'm wondering whether or not you see that as a, a new trend, uh, something that could have some staying power. Uh, is it instead just mean reversion? Uh, and also, you know, are people thinking that recession is less likely now, could be avoided? So why not go with some of the equal weight stocks that have performed so badly? Yeah, good, good evening. Um, I, I think that, it, you know, it's a, it's a great point and super interesting to watch this market. I do think that, you know, having having a good sort of short-term bull market, particularly as you mentioned in tech and spots like semiconductors has, has led some investors to perhaps take a little bit of money off the table or just to take a pause thinking that, 
you know, perhaps there will be a little bit of mean reversion just because we've seen a, a solid run up. So I don't take it as a big sign that something is necessarily changing or shifting. And I think actually, if you look at some of those sectors and, and you know, kind of some of the more defensive types of plays, you know, they are actually overvalued as well because investors have been piling into them for, for the last year and a half or so anyway, expecting this big sort of tank of a recession. So, you know, I, I think in my mind, of course, we have the Fed. Inflation is a, is a real kind of battle, but we do see inflation coming down. We also see some softening in PMI. We see a little bit less spending. You know, th- there's some good indication out there that what the Fed has done is working. And so perhaps they don't have to do it for as long. You know, the caveat yeah. to that is the job market's a little bit too hot, right? But exactly. I, I don't think it's a reversal of trends. Exactly. So we're just you know, adding to that point. And, you know, you look at all the details and then suddenly you get a, a, a swipe from left field in the form of those uh, payrolls numbers. Yeah, and that's, you know, very, very unfriendly <laughs> to what the market is, is kind of hoping for from the Fed. But, you know, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in June. And, and I think, you know, I, I had the sort of a strong conviction that that would really be a pause. And, and at this point, you know, that's that's up in the air, right, because of some of these recent numbers. But, you know, I think that there is enough softening in other parts of the economy and other parts of the market um, and, and inflation itself where, you know, and, and we do have, you know, tightened credit and some of the liquidity on the side because what happened with the, you know, kind of pseudo banking crisis. So I do think that the Fed has a tough decision to make um, in the next month or so. But I still think that they're kind of closer to the end than the beginning of all of this. And so well, you know, as, it's unlikely that there's going to be a massive collapse. As surprising as the 339,000 net new jobs was, the unemployed numbers rising by 440,000 uh, is pretty shocking. I mean, where did those numbers come from? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a little bit of, um, you know, kind of like uncertainty and, and lack of clarity in these numbers. But but I think what's pretty interesting about the jobs number and what's going to kind of factor into the jobs number, you know, is, is sort of like one of two things. One, a lot of companies have, have been doing layoffs and, and it takes some time to sort of, you know, off offload and, and, and you know, kind of settle up on, on some of those um, employment contracts. And the second thing is I think tech and AI have actually played a huge role now where, you know, a lot of companies have utilized technology to replace jobs, um, you know, for, for, for individuals that they can't find in the market. Right. So I, I do think that a lot of, there's going to be a lot of data in the job market that looks a little bit more clear in the next six to 12 months as that plays out a little bit longer. Sylvie, what are you buying then at the moment in terms of your ETFs? And uh, gives a sense of what it's like if you were a, a, a passive fund manager now. Yeah, I think you know if you're if you're a passive fund manager, um, I, I think you know in a sense you can kind of stick with stick with the conviction of diversification, have a balanced portfolio, barbell approach, and you know just sort of look back and think that last year was great for your dollar cost averaging, right? Because the market had pulled back so much across sort of all sectors, and you know now we're getting back in line with that ten to eleven percent annualized expected return. Um, in, in terms of you know for, from my perspective and and a little you know more. Um, um, managers that like allocations to tech and innovation and, and things like this, you know, we're seeing huge allocations to everything that has to do with AI, as you could imagine. So whether it's, you know, the machine learning stocks, whether it's the software side of it, whether it's, you know, data centers, whether it's semiconductors, we see huge moves yeah. in companies like Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA, um, you know, everything that plays into that trend. And really, that's where we've seen the best run on our side is, is on the, you know, kind of quantum basket that, that we run. 
Sylvia, there's two other areas we need to get to on this Monday morning. Uh, one is the China property market, but let's save that for a moment. The other one is that the U.S. Treasury is about ready to just unleash uh, an enormous amount of new bonds or number of new bonds into the market. What will the consequences of that be? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think I think what is going to be really interesting in terms of not only the release of treasuries in the new markets, but I, I just think also upcoming Fed policy, and I think also regulation about the banks and such, you know, we sort of have to see how all of this lands. I think that, you know, credit and liquidity are going to essentially tighten in the market. And you already have a lot of investors. I've seen a whole bunch of surveys coming out recently where the ultra high net worth and the high net worth and, you know, big allocators are pretty much sitting on the sidelines. And then, you know, you have the Fed doing essentially what they're doing. And I, I think it's going to take some time to play out and see what actually happens in terms of, you know, the liquidity in the market and kind of credit conditions in the market. Who's going to buy the uh, who's going to buy these bonds? That's the thing. I mean, it, it's, you'd expect uh, there to be a liquidity crunch with the amount of uh, supply coming on. Yeah, you you would expect it, but I do think that you know, you the US is is, is kind of hard to say that after this big, you know, debt ceiling debacle, but I still think that you the US is the place to be and I think you will continue to get a good amount of foreign investment and purchasers of, of, of that, you know, abroad. Yeah. Sylvia, one, one of our featured stories this morning is actually a story that we broke uh, on Friday. It really spruced up the property market uh, for China, and it also kind of you know, helped lead to some big rallies uh, right across the board because property has been one of the, the major challenges in the Chinese recovery. Um, we still haven't gotten full confirmation of it, but Bloomberg reporting that some measures to uh, ease some of these restrictions in property are coming. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think when it comes to, you know, in general, um, when it comes to China's economy, I, I think that, you know, Chinese regulators and Chinese officials are, are probably, you know, keep, they always kind of come in, in in the final hour and and offer support, you know, whether it's to, as you said, the ailing property market or whether it's to, you know, loans and um, um, deposit measures and things like this. So I think that, you know, you've seen this massive slowdown in home sales and and there's you know kind of a lot of trouble for struggling developers and i think that you know kind of the, the chinese government is going to come in and essentially support the economy i mean it's the second largest economy and globally and you can't essentially have you know a potential a potential collapse in the chinese property market um they've already I, lost a good amount of momentum how, in the how economy about, as well so i think it's sylvia how much exposure do you have to china and if so where yeah, so most of the exposure that we have is is along the lines of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and tech, right? So we're looking at innovation. We're looking at, you know, kind of the, whether it's the semiconductor companies, the graphics companies, the gaming companies, we think that there's a long runway um, in, in those names, essentially. One of the other big stories over the weekend, obviously, was Saudi Arabia with its million barrel a day supply cut. Uh, a little tricky there because Russia refused to, to do more and, and uh, the United Arab Emirates actually won an increase in quota for next year. So uh, Saudi Arabia sort of offset that. Uh, how do you see oil prices and particularly how important are oil prices in getting the global economy going again? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the favorable facts, particularly in the U.S. economy, has been the, the reduction in, in the price of oil. And I think that, you know, any kind of moves that, that you know, kind of 
challenge the stability and, and, and balance of oil markets, you know, creating a situation where oil could become more expensive is a risk to, you know, global inflation rising. So, um, I, you know, I think it'll be really important to see, you know, where where the price of oil lands and sort of the higher it gets, the gloomier the overall outlook would be for the U.S. and global economies just because of the inflation story. Well, it'd have to go up a lot, wouldn't it, I suppose, ultimately, for that to, to have a material impact on the inflation. Yeah, it, yeah? it would. Yeah, it would. It, it would. It would. I mean, we'd have to see, you know, kind of a huge move back to where we were. Um, well, well, let's be know. real. I mean, this was really about stabilizing prices more than driving prices higher. Uh, we did see some recovery uh, this morning. It's now up 3.2% for both Brent and WTI. But but still in all, I mean, prices had been moving to the downside pretty quickly. And uh, uh, so, you know, maybe this provides some stability yeah i mean you know perhaps but i do think that you know you 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 kind of saw oil prices surge after the april cut right and they they peaked and and have sort of reversed since but it's it's you know it's always sort of up to opec plus and and you know what what they do with 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 oil and and i think that the the price of oil going higher you know although it's stable now should we get a situation where the price of oil begins to peak it's it's a risk i think to to, you know, global economies because of inflation. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 